Hey guys, thanks for tuning in this next episode of In the Dirt with a Sodium. But I'd love to introduce you to Troy Duhon, who is the owner at Premier Automotive, who's now in five states across the country. Troy, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, thank you for having me. I look forward to it. This is exciting. It is, and it's always cool when we find someone like you, a dealer operator that really knows what their why is and why they're doing, why they're selling cars, why they want to grow, why they want to have a good culture to work in. And so let's just get started. Like, First off, Giving Hope is a nonprofit that you started, and maybe the idea came from 2005 or before then, but um, you officially had that since 2013. You've got really five main programs that you guys cover. One of the coolest ones that I think is your is your food pantry and your soup kitchen and your grocery setup that you guys have um, that you actually have in four uh, dealerships and then also a fifth one that exists on its own. So, like, Troy, tell me, where did the idea come from? Well, if you remember Katrina, so when Katrina That's right. hit in 2005, I had five dealerships at the time, and four out of five went underwater. And I got to be honest with you, when you don't know if you're being paid you know, I had 35 million in insurance receivables. Yeah. Everything was underwater. Everything was wiped out. It was devastating. The Friday before the storm, I had 500 employees. The following Friday later, I had 200 employees left. 300 left and were wow. never coming back because it was so bad. So wow. you get scared. And as a dealer, when you work your entire life to, you know, I started selling cars at 18, bought my yeah. first store when I was 30. So now I'm 40 with five dealerships. My lawyer says, look, I don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, I got to tell you, I, I I got scared. And I can remember watching the TV with my father. Now, my dad was a car guy yeah. <laughs> that became an alcoholic. <laughs> Great story. Got out of the car business and became a Pentecostal preacher. So you got to think about that one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not a car guy who's a Pentecostal preacher, right? So I was born and raised in the crazy tongue-talking holy roly house. But I would tell you this. My daddy looked at me after Katrina. I'm looking at the TV with him. I see all the devastation at the dealership because I evacuated. And I begin yeah. to cry. So I begin to cry. I mean, I'm a grown man. I'm crying like I couldn't believe that everything that I worked for was going to potentially be taken away. That's how you look at things. In the midst of devastation, you always envision the worst. So my dad had been through a lot of storms. Camille, Betsy, he had seen it all. So he picks me up like a dad would, looks me in the eye, and he says, son, let me tell you something. You look at that, he's pointing at the TV screen where they're showing all the devastation of the dealerships, and he goes, that brick and mortar, that comes and goes. Those franchises you represent, they come and go too. You go back and take care of your employees because they're the only ones that are going to make sure you make it. And you know what? I never forgot that. I love that. that. I, I love called that. my church and I said, look, I can get electricity to the site. Let's do a FEMA relief center. So we became the dealership, the Honda dealership, Premier Honda, yeah. became the <laughs> official FEMA relief center. Now, we didn't know what that, you know, we didn't know what that entailed the first day when they let the people back in the city. Because remember, they shut down the city of New Orleans for 30 days. So the first day they let them back in the city, we started running 1,200 cars a day. Wow. And I remember watching the joy on my employees' faces, technicians, salesmen, porters, office staff, serving people in the line. They wasn't pulling sheetrock at their their houses. They were right. serving people in the line. And I got very emotional. I went home and I told my wife, I said, sweetheart, if God gets us through this, I think the rest of our career is going to be giving back. And lo and behold, he did. 
I had one dealership at the time that could operate and that store ended up selling 700 cars the next month because everybody <laughs> needed cars, right? That's so right. <laughs> I ended up selling all my insurance receivables, ended up rebuilding four out of the five dealerships. And then that's when we decided to birth Giving Hope. And we were working with another, another nonprofit, but we really wanted to do some really cool things. So you're right. We operate food banks out of closed up old dealerships. We have four of them. We feed five to 6,000 people a day. We'll yeah, away about, a day. Yeah, we'll give away about 8 million pounds of food this year. Um, and the cool thing, and then the other th cool thing we do is we build orphanages. So That's right. we build orphanages around the world and we partner with other automotive alliances. So we partner with like Allied Bank and Petra Oil and, and Capital One Bank and, yeah. and Cox Automotive. I mean, what Cox Automotive does for us is amazing. And yeah. uh, Kia Motor Company and Toyota Motor Company and Chrysler and I could keep going. They believe in what we're doing, so they help us. So every year we build a brand new either family center or orphanage. This past year we went to Ukraine, which was really interesting to say the wow. least. Wow. And uh, so you, you get back to the question of the why, you know? Yeah, that's right. I tell my staff, we now have 35 rooftops. So we've grown a lot and it's interesting yeah. because the minute I gave my staff a why, here's what I tell my team, every car you sell, every wrench you turn, you're helping us feed somebody. So for them, yeah. it's a purpose. It's a reason to go beyond the norm. It's a reason to come early. It's a reason to stay late. It's a reason to go beyond what's expected to do the extraordinary. And I've seen that with our staff that when they see a why, and it's not about me buying a jet plane or me buying another house, it's about us building orphanages and feeding people. The way it ends up happening is they go the extra yard. That's so the right. real thing about the Premier Automotive Group through the foundation of Giving Hope, we've actually given our employees a why. Yeah. And one thing we say a lot at Asoto is love people more than you love cars. And that is truly a more than cars moment, Troy, when not only can you invest in your people that way and give them that why, but to the point where they're bought in and you guys are literally pulling on the same side of the rope to love people in your community, to love people in other countries. And even just tracking back to see all the orphanages orphanages that you guys have built in other countries over the last, let's say, 10 years, it's, it's amazing to see that. And the fact that you've been able to help, let's say, 40 to 50 kids at a time, whether it's through a place to sleep, um, a place to go to school, a place to learn, or even just like clean drinking water that they haven't had before. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. And the fact that you're able to serve I think the number is 330,000 meals a year because you guys do five days a week of like feeding your communities. That's amazing, Troy. Yep. And it, like that is the epitome of more than cars. I got to tell you that that like huge props to you, huge props to your entire team. It's so cool that you guys are all bought into that. And, and, and uh, I mean, one comment, you know, yeah, we have found there's very strong alliances. You know, some of the company think about everybody that makes money on a car dealership, everybody. Yeah. From the vendors to the parts to the bank, right. to the OEMs. The beautiful thing is they all help us. And I'll give you a great story. So 10 years ago, we built our first or orphanage in Hyderabad, India. And Capital One Bank President Sanji is from India. So he flew me wow. up to Virginia and he wanted to hear about what I was doing. And it was really interesting because he said, you know, I don't necessarily believe everything you believe, Troy, but I believe in what you're doing. 
and he yeah. gave me a five-figure check for the orphanage. Oh, my word. It's <laughs> amazing. Kids, the grace, 50 kids went to that orphanage out of the city dump. So we pulled the kids out of the city dump. Oh, my 16 word. 16 of those kids are now in college in the country of India. 16 oh, my of word. That's life-changing when yeah. you give someone an opportunity like that. And you're right is that people might not believe the same thing that you believe, Troy, but they believe in people. And they and believe in the potential and future of young kids. What you'll find with Gen Zs and millennials, they believe in human rights. They believe yeah. that people have the right to clean water. They believe that people should have the right to a bed. They believe that people should have the right to food. You know, you look in you you look at the United States, the richest country in the world. Why are there still hungry people? You know, yeah. why are there still people sleeping on the side of the road? You know, and don't get me wrong, some people made some bad choices. I understand that. But at the same time, we as, you know, I call it corporate compassion. An automobile dealer should exercise corporate compassion and go into their local community and show people that they really care. And you'd be surprised what it means to that community. Yeah, for sure it does. And getting back to, I think, why you where the idea came from for Giving Hope, your nonprofit, that moment of maybe it was desperation and that moment of need that you had back in 2005, you realized that other people had that same need. It might not have been the same level as you, but other people need food and they need that person that's able to help them get to the next step. And it's it's just really it's really cool to see that, Troy. And the fact that you guys have also been able to so the orphanages. Obviously you've had an adoption journey yourself. Yep. Um you mind getting into that for a second? Yeah, I have a little uh I actually my wife and I um uh, unfortunately had been diagnosed with back to back Potter syndrome. And that's when a child in the embryo is doesn't have kidneys. So when a child doesn't yeah. have kidneys, it doesn't produce ambiotic fluid, which allows the lungs to develop. So when the child's born, it can breathe on its own. So we had to bury two boys back to back, 2004 and 2006. And that, pain, that. Yeah. that pain was massive. So you asked, why do we build orphanages? Because... My wife and I, after going through that, we decided we were going to adopt. So we went to China and we adopted Anna. I call her my little Cajun Asian because she, yeah. <laughs> she loves seafood. But when we, when we went through that process, I began to realize how many kids are not as lucky as Anna. How many kids age out in these foster care systems and these adoption homes and they're just not loved. And right. it's like they're not they don't know what it's like to be part of a family. They don't know what it's like to have someone care about them and hold them and read to them at night and and just know that there's security. And my wife got very emotional. And I said, listen, I can't bring she wants literally George. She wanted to bring the whole orphanage with us. Like she wouldn't <laughs> yeah. take all these sure. kids from this orphanage outside of Beijing home. And I'm like, babe, we can't do that. Yeah, But I, I saw her pain and I wanted to be part of the solutions. That's when we decided to start building orphanages. And we built Hyderabad, India, Gambia, Africa, Honduras, Moscow, Russia, yeah. O Brazil, Dominican Republic, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Yeah. And we just came back from Ukraine. And next year we go to Manila. Yeah. How I, would cool. tell, I would tell listeners, you know, you would never think that you could love a child as much as you love the one that you birthed. And that is not true. Cause I love yeah. Anna as much as I love them. Matter of fact, I tell my yeah. other kids, you only took me nine months to get, she took me five years. So how much <laughs> do you think I appreciate yeah. her more? That's right. 
<laughs> that's our, that's right. The inception process of five years is is quite the, yeah. the path and journey to go through. So I can only imagine how difficult that was. But it's so cool to see that you've gone through struggles and hardships in your life, and you knew that that was your moment to give back to the community and find ways to find a solution to it. And you know that might be your entrepreneurial heart. But I think it's also your compassionate heart and um, just the maybe some of the final thoughts that like your dad left you with. Like that's it's so cool to see that and so cool to like see that you're living that out, Troy. I would share this with anybody listening that if you have the ability to be there for your parents when your parents pass away, you don't want to miss that moment. I was there for my dad. And, you know, my dad, like I said, was a good old car man from the 60s and 70s. And yeah. He, he was struggling with, he had brain that went to the, to, to, he had cancer that went to the brain and the hospital nurse called for me and I got over there quick as I could. And I can remember like yesterday, my dad had tears coming down his cheek and he grabbed me with a double handshake and he says, son, you need to get off the treadmill. You're on a treadmill chasing wealth. And yeah. so what you really need to be doing is chasing a godly legacy. And your father's about to go to heaven, and I'll look down at my funeral, but I'm going to challenge you, son, that when it's your time, will you be able to look down at your funeral and count 50 people in the audience that you made their dreams come true? He said, son, you need to become a dream maker. Yeah. And that really hit me hard because he was right. And then he said, which was the other one was like caught me by complete surprise. He goes, don't you ever shut down that food bank. And I'm like, really, Dad, why? He said, son, because no one is ever going to remember how many cars you sold in your career, but the good Lord is counting every time you feed his people. He put his arm out. Wow. The nurse shine with morphine. He never said another word. And I have never forgotten that because you know what? That was the greatest wisdom my dad could ever give me. Go out and become yeah. a dream maker because when you make dreams come true for others, God will make yours come true. And he's How right. Powerful. On my tombstone, ain't going to say, yeah. here lies Troy Duon who sold 1,100,000-something cars. Nobody <laughs> care about that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But we do. Like, and I would tell our listeners, too, yes, yeah. I have a why. And look, not every day goes the way you want it to go. And so when I have a bad day, I just walk out of my office. I look at that food bank line. I don't have problems. That's right. (laughs) You know what it really takes for someone to get into a food bank line? You know how low they have to be? And look, there's a lot of people who live week to week. They struggle with gas prices and food prices and everything going up, and they have to make ends meet. I mean, I had a story of a lady about a month ago who came up to me, and she goes, you're Troy Duhon. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she was very emotional, and she goes, I want to thank you. I said, well, for what? She goes, I don't know how I could do it to feed my four boys if you didn't help me. And I'm thinking to myself, God, what would it cost to feed four boys? And, you know, I I keep that in perspective because that's really what it's about. Yeah. And it's about helping the community and helping those people get a resource that they might not get otherwise. But, man, how cool, Troy. And uh, so – I was talking with Catherine, uh, Catherine Carver from Louisiana Auto Dealer Association yesterday, and your name came up in conversation because you're their dealer of the year, and it's it's very clear why they chose you and why you are making such an impact in the community and why you're finding these more than cars moments, and it's it's just it's so cool to see that Troy, and just like you said, you started with five stores, and you made a small change and really discovered your why. 
to the point where now you have 35 stores in five different states. That is phenomenal, Troy. So huge props to you and huge props to your team. That's amazing. If uh, if you were to leave the audience with just a few final words from some things that you found inspiring in your life, you know, besides what your father has shared with you or the fact that you've been able to share those those last words with your father, what would you leave the audience with? I would what inspires tell, you? I would tell them this. Find the injustice that angers you or the passion that inspires you because that's what you're called to. Yeah. And the moment you discover your why and your staff and your dealer group understands the why, your profitability and retention and your purpose will go through the roof. There always has to be a why. But, but to reiterate, find the injustice that angers you or the passion that inspires you. That is what you're called to do. Yeah, and you've done such a great job of building community in your team. And really, I think that's what's driven to your success is that everybody working side by side, they know what they're working towards and working for. And you're right, it's not Troy's jet plane. <laughs> it's helping people and it's helping people in the community. It's feeding people. It's building homes for children in other countries. It's it's so phenomenal to hear that, Troy. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing this story. And I know that that's going to leave so many people inspired across the country, Troy. So thank you so much. You bet. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for watching this episode of In the Dirt with a Sodu. If you're new to our channel, make sure and mash that like and subscribe button. Also, check out some of these links for our other great podcasts and content.